You're listening to Humanity, part four of our essential series at the Church at Rutledge by Marty Shelton. For more information about the Church at Rutledge, you can visit us online at thechurchatrutledge.org. I do have to do a disclaimer this morning about uh, something I made a statement about last week. It does not discredit anything that I talked about as, as far as the Trinity. And if you didn't get to hear that message, go back and listen to that online. This whole series you can go back and listen to, and it's, it's, it's just it's not because I'm not bragging about me, but God has just taught us amazing stuff here over the past two or three weeks, and uh, I would encourage you to listen to it. But I made a statement about something called the Targum Neophyte. Now, if you weren't here, you're going, what? But, okay, if you were here, you might remember that. And I made the statement that that was 200 year. it was dated 200 B.C. before Christ, which makes a big difference uh, given that it was a statement about uh, Christ being the firstborn and the interpretation of the Jews of that before Christ was even born. But it was actually our source... Uh, my wife rebuked me because she found stuff online that was like, I don't know if this is accurate or not, okay? So I looked in. We research everything that we do. We try to make sure everything we say is accurate, especially when we give information like this. But it's actually what in 200 B.C. It was 100. It's, the earliest date is like 100 A.D., but it's like between 100 and 300 is the stuff you can find. And we actually contacted the guy who's a professor at a seminary and said, where'd you get your information on this? Because we're seeing stuff that contradicts what you're saying. And he apologized and said his information was wrong, which makes the information in the doctrine book wrong as well when it talks about the Targum Neophyte. So I just wanted to say, and it doesn't change anything about the Bible or who God is or any of that stuff. Just we give out information when I'm wrong. I just want to say, sorry, we were wrong about that one. We don't want to try to make statements about stuff or prove stuff by misinforming people or trickery by changing some numbers or something make it sound better okay so i just want to let you know that and so my conscience is now clean okay but i love it that we have people in our church from my wife to uh i, I, I rita brad reynolds all these guys that i talk to during the week they're like yeah i got i mean they get on there and check me out everything that i say i'm like watched like a there's like eagles over me like watching everything I say and so that makes me a better preacher and you're getting better information because of that and I'm thankful for him being here but I just want you to know things we say we're, we're making sure we're accurate okay so anyway moving on uh, today we're going to continue in our series called essentials and we're looking at foundational beliefs of Christians is what it's all about and I have given you this added resource, like I said this morning, which is out of our membership material. So when you come into our church, we say these are the essential things that you have to believe to be a part of our church. And I even included this uh, statement at the top that talks about essentials and non-essentials. There are some things that are essentials that we just say we all have to agree on those things. We can't disagree about who Jesus was because, as we'll see next week, if he wasn't the Son of God, if he wasn't God himself, then he couldn't pay the penalty for our sin, and therefore there's a big problem with what we believe. Okay? So there's some things we go, these are just essentials. We can't disagree about them if you're going to be a member of the church and so forth. And then there's non-essentials, like, um, is it okay for uh, Josh to dress the way he dresses and, and look the way he does? Like, that's a non-essential, okay? We can debate it and argue it and have fun with it and whatever, but ultimately, it's not a 
going to heaven or hell issue. It's not an essential Christian belief uh, what your clothes look like, okay? Uh, God looks more at your heart than he does what you're wearing anyway. Okay, that's when he says bring your best, that's what he's talking about, okay? So, seeing I'm already getting into arguing the fact. Anyway, and I'm not saying you look bad either, okay? Um, I'm just, you're sitting there. That's what you get for sitting on the front. Some of these people are guests. I didn't want to pick on them. Um, I couldn't Mickey, but besides the rest, I couldn't. But it's like, um, there's some things that are just non-essentials. You know, you can get into debates of smoking, and, you know, if you, some people think if you smoke, it'll send you to hell and just make you smell like you've been there. It won't actually send you there. And uh, you, we can debate all those things, okay? That's non-essentials, okay? It's not big dividing issues. But in all beliefs, we show love. We talk about that here is, regardless if I disagree with you about... Uh, tattoos, because I'm on one side of that, Josh and Derek's on another, obviously we get along okay, uh, and we love each other just fine, and it's okay. It's, it's a non-essential, and we love each other anyway, okay? And uh, so th- that's how we approach things in our church. We don't ever get mad at each other over non-essentials and just, or forget you kind of thing. That's not being Christ-like, Okay. Then it lists the essentials we believe. We've talked about God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, which are the first three, and we covered that in the Trinity, about the Bible. We covered that, actually, the third week, the second week, we talked about the Bible. The first week was just an intro. And today we're into human beings and us. Next week will be about salvation, and then into, uh, which will include some of the stuff about the number seven, eternal security, and then number eight, uh, I'll talk about heaven and hell. Okay, so that's kind of the path we're following, but it shows you what we, our statement of belief here for the church at Rutledge, and I just wanted you to have that as a resource to kind of go along. And it's got extra scripture and stuff there as well. Okay, so now I've got to really move. Um, so in this, here's, here's the thing. Um, in this series, I'm so tempted at times um, to shed light on, on so many different issues that I, can't, I just can't chase all these things, okay, because we've got a limited amount of time and so, and so forth. And, and there's so many questions that even come up out of the stuff that we've talked about about the Bible. And, and even especially this morning, there's huge debates about creation and man and how things happen and all that stuff. And there's a lot of stuff I just don't have time to chase, obviously, through the series because I could stay on this one issue uh, for the rest of the year and never exhaustively cover everything about it. But... Um, they're, but they're there for you to explore further if you'd like to, okay? And, and that's what home teams are great for. That's why we like to have ongoing discussions about things. And you guys talk about things, email me, whatever, and I'll get, uh, get back to you in, uh, as quickly as I can about your questions and so forth. But today we're going to dive into humanity, and I'll also briefly talk about creation just for a moment. And I say briefly because the issue is not how old the earth is, really. That's one of those non-essentials. Whether you think it's 4.5 billion years old or I think it's 6 to 10,000 years old because I fall on the young creationist side of things because I, I think God can create uh, things instantly with the appearance of antiquity, uh, meaning uh, when Adam was made, it we'll talk about, he, he was made as a fully as a man. He wasn't a baby, and then we had to wait for him to grow up for the rest of the stuff to happen. He was six seconds old, but he looked like he was 20 or whatever. He was a full-grown adult. So God can create, and if he can do that with man, I believe he can do that with a tree or with a rock or whatever. So when people carbon date things, I think sometimes 
and this is, therefore, there again, this is my view because some things are just not explained about creation. So we, we can discuss them, debate them, that kind of thing. Some people think uh, there's a huge gap between that the earth is really, really old and the Genesis 1-1 to 1-2, there's a, a gap in time and then the six days of creation happen after that and that there's a time span before that, okay? And that's where you get into other things maybe created during that time and people try to put dinosaurs in there and that kind of stuff and that's all great stuff to talk about but it's not really the issue. Whether you believe the earth is 4.5 billion years old or 6,000 years old, the issue is not how old's the earth, okay? The issue is who made the earth, what's it all about, how, how do we respond to this God that made it, and what's our role in it, okay? That, that's what we got to get down to and understand. Um, you know, if, if you get how old the earth is wrong, it's not, you're not going to go to hell for getting that wrong. God's not going to stand there and go, how old's the earth? 6,000 years old? wrong. Get you, you know, it's just like one of those things that you don't get sent down the chute to the other place, okay? It, it's one of those things of, the, the deal is, what is the creator of earth doing in history today and in the future, and what does that mean for us? That's what we got to really focus on. We get sidetracked by too many things, and so that's not essential. The Bible is a theological history more than it is a scientific textbook, Okay? And this does not mean that the Bible does not include some things that are scientific, but that's not primarily the focus, okay? The Bible opens up with this statement, in the beginning, God. So it's a book about God and His work in history, not about how the earth is, okay? It's, it's a book about God, and therefore some things just aren't that important and therefore aren't given much explanation in the Bible. But let's, let's look at what we do know about creation and I'm going to ask you to pay close attention. We're going to move through a tremendous amount of material together today. I'm going to attempt to somewhat um, understandably go through the first three chapters of Genesis, okay? So that scares some of you to death, okay? But it'll be okay. But we're going to move. We're going to get through this. And I'm really enjoying my studies, and hopefully this translates into something that's a teachable concept for you as well. Now, in Scripture, you'll find that uh, Jesus is also involved in creation. It's, as we talked about last week in the Trinity, it's not just God. Uh, going back to our talk about the Trinity, John 1 says that everything was made, that was made was made through Him. Talking about Jesus, Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says this, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And there's your place to chase, too. I just throw out these things. That word firstborn, like that, you see that all through the Bible, referring to Jesus. Why? Okay, it's a good thing for you to go get, get looking into, okay? For in him, we don't have time to chase that this morning. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him, Okay? He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. In, you know, in Genesis 1, you, you also, it's, it's, there's God the Father, and there's the Holy Spirit hovering over the earth, or over the, over the waters of the earth, okay? So the whole Trinity is involved in creation by the total testimony of Scripture. And God is, and God makes, and everything but God was made by God. 
Everything on earth and in heaven, the angels, everything else is created. God is the only one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that has been forever, that existed eternity past. Everything else at some point was made, okay? And, and you look at Nehemiah 9, 6, it says, You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. Everything was created by him, and it was all made for him, made by him. And so now there are two issues usually discussed with this topic. You know, that people automatically, your brains go here when we start talking about creation. And one is, does science contradict the Bible, or does the Bible contradict science? Oh, my gosh, what about all this stuff, and, you know, and evolution? And, you know, but no, not real science doesn't contradict the Bible. Um, man's unproven theories, like evolution, may, yes, may contradict the Bible, but not proven science. There's no proven science that contradicts. Actually, all of it validates the Bible and what's in there. And we can look and go, there's places where the Bible figured stuff out a long time before man ever figured it out, like that the earth was round. Okay, the Bible has always talked about the sphere of the earth. Okay, and so it took us a long time to figure out what God already knew and had already told us, but we just kind of didn't take his word for it or whatever. But there's, we don't, have time this morning to go in. See, I want to chase that already. Go into the errors of naturalism and atheistic evolution and how the Bible validates things well before man figures it out scientific, scientifically. And we've already validated Scripture two weeks ago. You go back and listen to that one and so on. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. I wish this was about that per se, like that I could go on with that, but it's not because I could really dig into this topic and, and show you how how reliable scripture is, but you can go back and look at that and just the whole creation thing. Um, and the second thing is then people get in discussions about what really happened during the creation account, as I've already talked about here earlier when we started. You know, is it six literal, literal days of creation? Yes, I believe so, but how old is the earth? You know, you can go into that one. There's so much that we don't that the Bible doesn't state, and it's okay. Again, it's non-essential, and we can agree to disagree on some things, and I don't have time to hit all that. So those two things usually come up, but let's move on because we're just, we've already validated the Bible, Trinity, who God is, and we're just going to dig right into the Bible's account of Genesis and creation and man and where we come from and how that all is, okay? And he starts in Genesis 1 by creating the heavens and the earth. Um, just to summarize real quick, um, I'm really flying by the hip this morning, uh, but it, it's great stuff. You can get into, I'm just going to summarize real quick. In the beginning, God created the heavens, the earth, and now the earth was formless. And that in the beginning, God, if you remember the Elohim thing, that's a plural, plural noun of this whole unity in plurality thing. It's a, it, you just have to Look at that the Elohim word for God, talking about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He was in relationship already, um, already covered that. Um, God said, you get down to verse 3, uh, daylight's made. God said, let there be light. And so light is made, uh, and day and night are separated, uh, darkness, day and night. And, and so day 2, you get into verse 6, 
and he separates the waters, which he was talking about like the oceans and stuff on the, that there's water on the planet, but then he makes the sky, he separates the two, instead of it all being one mass, he separates the two into sky and, and the actual ball of dirt and water. Okay, then you get into, down to verse 9, starts day 3, um, and he gets into actually separating the land from the sea and making how the earth is going to be formed as far as that, and vegetation, he starts to put plants on the earth. Day 4, sun, moon, and stars, he starts messing with the heavens around what we would call the heavens, the, the universe starts messing with that a little bit, you know, puts the sun out there and the moon and the stars and all those things. Day 5, you get into like over into verse 20, and there's the sea creatures and the birds, and he, he puts the birds, all the animals in the sky, all the sea creatures, everything that dwells in it, and talks about that, every winged bird according to its kind. One of the things to note in here, because I'll reference this later, is when he talks about plants and animals and stuff, he says, of their kind. Every, every plant, every winged bird according to its kind, okay, because we're not of our kind, we're, we're made differently than all this other stuff. So just note that when, as you're reading through Genesis and seeing the creation story, there's a, there's a difference between us and everything else that's made. Uh, get into 6 where we're made, and it says it gets into living creatures, animals, and then he creates us on the day 6, okay? And like in verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us, and we talked about that before, why does he say us, okay? Us because Father, Son, Holy Spirit, okay? Let us make man in our image, in the image of the Trinity, in the image of Father, Son, Spirit, okay? In our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the livestock over all uh, the creatures that move along the ground. So he makes us in his image, okay? So you're noting at this point, it's not a thing of... Um, he, makes, he made everything after its own kind, but He made us after His image, okay? And He made us His prized creation to rule over everything else that He had created. The Bible even talks about how one day we'll judge the angels. Christians will, okay? It's interesting as you read our special relationship with God, okay? We're to manage creation and enjoy it. We are made in the image of God, not after our own kind like the rest of creation. But we are God's image bearers. Okay? Man and woman are made after His image. Okay? As it says here. Let us make man in our image. Uh, so he, and he goes on to say in verse 27, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. And it's so cool that He goes from let us, let us make man in our image to then He made them. Because it's the, it's the three-in-one trinity thing again, okay? Male and female, he created them. So men and women both made in his image, okay? And, and so Genesis 1 is like this summary of the creation story. It's like this big overview. And then Genesis 2 moves in and takes, uh, gives you more detail about what happened in those six days. Okay, it's a blow-up of, of those it, um, particularly about man, and then in, in this scene, when you get into chapter 2, and it introduces the serpent. We'll talk about, what, about that a little bit more. In the next scene in chapter 3, it starts breaking out what happens um, with, in chapter 1. Okay? Does that make sense? So that's creation. I don't have time because I need to get into humanity and, and understanding that. So if you go over to Genesis chapter 2, 
Um, which I went back in verse 31, though, of chapter 1. God saw all he had made, and it was very good. As you read through that, too, notice in the creation story, he makes stuff, the plants, the animals, separates day and night, stars, moon, all that stuff, and he keeps saying, and he saw that it was good. And he saw that it was good. And when he gets to man and he makes man, he goes, this is very good. Okay, there's, a, there's another different level of where we are versus the rest of creation. It's showing our, how we're prized above everything else, okay? And, and so then on the seventh day, of course, he rested, um, which is where we get the whole Sabbath thing, and you should rest one day of the week and just focus on God. You should do that all the time, but um, just remembering that God is where we, is what is our provider, not really us doing our own thing. Okay, Genesis 2, 7 through 9, I'm going to look at it really quickly. Um, it goes down in the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. That, gosh, I wish I could keep going with that. That, that just, the, that picture, okay, everything else, he, he, he just spoke it into existence, okay? But for us, he, he, got, he got his hands in there, and he formed us, and he breathed into us life. I mean, there's just dramatic difference between the two, okay, which shows that it's a deal of us being spirit beings uh, and plants and animals and all that stuff aren't, okay? There's a differentiation here between us and them and that God breathed his, just breathed the spirit that's in us into us, breathed life directly into us, Okay. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he, he, he had formed, and the Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, blah, blah, blah. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is a very important part of the story. Two trees, tree of life, tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is where the fruit comes off of later, okay? And, and we typically think of this when we think of the tree, but it doesn't, there again, this is a non-essential, okay? The Bible doesn't say it was an apple, but in, in all these children's Bibles and everything you see, they, we just, everybody's always said apple, but it, it was a fruit. We don't know, okay? And we can debate that, and there's some people say, well, I don't know, okay? You know, and I love you, okay? <laughs> and, and so you, you look at this, and go into verse 15. I'm just going to keep going, and then I'm going to give us more commentary that'll actually be beneficial. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it, okay? And, and just a quick note there. That just tells you that God, work is not a curse. I know all of us think it is, but it's not. God originally created us to have things to do and to work, Okay? Now, it, work became difficult, and all the frustrations you have with work come out of what happens later, but originally God made us to work, to manage creation. Adam gets to name all the animals and all this stuff, and he, he, start, he takes care of things in the Garden of Eden. He, ma he manages creation, okay? So, so God made us to work. Work is not a curse. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die, which is the understanding of for the wages of sin is death. To disobey God is sin, and the result is spiritual death, okay? The Lord God said, 
And then he goes on to say, the Lord God said, it is not good. Now this is the first time we see not, not good. Everything's been good to this point. Now we're to not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Remember, this is a blow up of back when he made man and woman. Okay. Now you got to understand too, when he says it's not good, he's not saying sin has entered the world in, in entered into man at this point. He's, he's just saying it's not sin yet, but, but it's, it would be better. He would be more like our image if he lived in community like Father, Son, Spirit do. So I need to make him a helper. You know, the Holy Spirit's referred to as the helper, one who guides, the counselor. He, he, that's his role. So God kind of looks back and goes, I need to make him someone like that. Okay? Not that he isn't there and doesn't do that, but just in a greater context of his prized creation being like him, okay? So here he is, and he, he does, does this, verse 21 through 25, I'm going to skip down. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took the man's, one of the man's rib and closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And then, and then it goes into this beautiful thing right there of this man. He basically sings to her. This is, you can say it's a poem, but it's, it's in, in this context and how it's written um, in, in Hebrew. In Hebrew, this rhymes, okay? And it's him, he literally, it's the first uh, serenade, okay? He literally sings, a, when he sees her, he sings to her, okay? And he's never seen MTV or none of that stuff and knows what to do. But this, it comes out of him, okay, in that moment. And he says, this is now bone of my... I'm not going to sing it for you, okay? This is now... I don't know the tune. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And he, he sings to her. And, it, and it's, a, it's just a beautiful picture. And, uh, and that's where you get into, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. That ikad word that we talked about, one, it's the same as it's referred to as... Father, Son, Spirit are one. It's a unity in this plurality thing again, okay? And the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. There's no guilt. There's no sin at this point, okay? God spoke everything in, into creation um, except man. He formed him, his own hands involved in creating him and breathing life into him. Very personal involvement, okay? Personal relationship emphasis, from the beginning of making man. And Adam was put in the garden, perfect place. Adam in this place, it was complete fulfillment for Adam. It's the perfect place, perfect conditions, un unconditionally loved by God, direct relationship with him. He gets his helper. It's it, it, paradise. This place was paradise that God created and walked with God. He got to walk with God in the garden. Okay? God created us for relationships. That was the point. With Him, with each other, with our environment, we're to manage and take care of what God's created, to be good stewards of that. Okay? And, and, and we have this relationship. We, we're spirit. There's this inner person in us that He breathed into us. We're to have this healthy psychological relationship even with ourselves. There's like these four levels of relationships that he gets into. Him, each other, ourselves, and our environment, okay? And when sin enters here in a moment in chapter 3, 
It messes up all those relationships that He created us for. And right, right now, um, even Adam and Eve together, even naked together, they're not embarrassed or ashamed. Okay? Because there's, there's no guilt. They're not so self-conscious about the pride thing or being embarrassed. It's not there because sin's not there. Okay? And I know some of you are just excited because I keep saying the word naked, but that's okay. Okay? Focus with me here for a minute. Okay? They're just not ashamed. If CH was here, he'd get you to say that word together just, just for the fun of it. Okay? Um, our position, a thing to note here too, is our position is below God. God is who He has always been there. We're a part of creation, and we're below God, but we're above everything else. That's our position, okay? And sin has a way of trying to make us think we're like God or above God. Sin messes up that hierarchy of how things work. Or... It messes with us in the sense of it tries to make us think that we're basically, we're just a part of creation. We're just like the animals. And it tries to dumb us down. Okay? We are below God, and in, in although we share many attributes of God, because we, we aren't, you know, I'll get into that in a minute, but we, we aren't like Him in that we aren't all-knowing, even though most teenagers think they are. Okay? We aren't all-powerful. We, we aren't without beginning. He's without beginning. We have a beginning, etc. All those things. But we're above creation in that we reason and we think. We appreciate beauty. We love. We have a conscious. conscious we, we're in our spirit beings that will live forever. And you can go on and on and on with these attributes that we are made in His image. It's why we long to be unconditionally loved. Because we were made for that. The reason you keep looking for that in some man or woman is because God made you for that with Him, and you keep looking in the wrong place for it. We long for our conditions to have the perfect house, the perfect job, everything to be so comfortable and, and, and just perfect because God made us to be in that environment with Him forever. And that was the Garden of Eden. gets messed up here in a minute. And there's, like I've talked about before, there's the coming world, heaven there's, there's that phase that we're looking forward to that gives us hope that we get co- go back to that, that we get to be back in that environment with God. And it's why you have that longing inside of you, okay? It, now, that image, we're, if you're Christian or not, okay, Christian or not, you bear the image of God. You have those things in you, Okay? Now, that image has been marred by sin now. It's messed up. And without sin, you and I would be able to perfectly reflect God to the earth as He intended. That, that's what He made us for, was to be a reflection of Him to the, to the world. We're to be a reflection of His glory to everything. We're made in His image to reflect Him. Okay? And He intended us for us to be like the second person, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus as we'll talk about in a minute. That's why He made us, to be like Him, physical manifestation to, the, to reflect His glory to all He had made. That's why we're a prized creation. Okay, Romans 8.29 says, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. 
That's why he made us was so that we would be conformed to God's, to Jesus Christ's image and reflect his glory. Okay? We were made to be reflectors of God's image to the earth. God is compassionate. We're to reflect his compassion to the world. God is, is love, and we're to reflect his love to everything around us. God is merciful, and we're to reflect mercy to everything around us. That's why he made us. But as we'll read in a minute, sin broke the mirror of us, and now we don't do that so well. And what are you supposed to, to you know, what are you supposed to look like? Well, that's, what are, you know, why are we here? We're to, look, we're to look like Jesus. It's not me becoming Jesus. It's me reflecting his glory to the world, okay? Don't compare yourself to anyone else. No one else or nothing else is your benchmark for who you are to be in life, okay? So if you're not like the star football player or this beautiful person, or, they're not your benchmark, okay? Jesus Christ and reflecting his glory to the world, that's your benchmark and that's what you're trying to attain, okay? And there's a lot of people that, are, that we try to imitate that are missing the mark by a long shot and we should be imitating nothing that they're doing even though we think they're great, Okay? I'm going to chase rabbits, and I've got to be careful. Okay, but don't compare yourself to anyone else. Colossians 3, 9, and 10 says, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. To be a Christian is to be someone who has taken off the old way of life and put on a new one. Okay? It is to quit lying and stealing because that doesn't reflect God. So I don't do that. It doesn't matter what other people do or what goes on in your environment. Okay, some people think, well, that's the way things are done here. So, or that's the position I've been put in. I can't survive if I don't do those things. It, it doesn't matter. You, you're not to do that. Your environment is not the standard either. People aren't and your environment isn't. It's not the standard. God's image is the standard. Period. Well, it feels right. Or, well, you know, I think I should... You know, my feelings are telling me, well, your feelings might be wrong. And your brain is messed up. It's broken by sin. You know, logically, my logic says that I should... Well, that's wrong. Okay? It, if it doesn't reflect God, it's wrong no matter how you feel, how you think, because your feelings and your thinking are corrupted. They're messed up. Okay? then you just, at that point, you need to repent and trust in Jesus to put you back together again, you know, into a mirror that does reflect God, okay? And so the question becomes this morning, because I can't help but get practical with this, what are you reflecting with your lifestyle, with your work ethic, with your food, your drink, your relationships, your finances, your morals, what are you reflecting? How are you doing with that? And is God pleased with what you're reflecting to people? Okay? Yeah, I mean, and it's things like, and I know, I know this chases right off the side, but it, it's stuff like, you know where racism comes from? It, it comes from the idea that some races are closer to animals than others, okay? It comes from evolution, not the Bible, 
Okay? The Bible teaches that all tongues, tribes, races, uh, nationalities will be around God's throne worshiping Him together in perfect beauty and harmony for eternity. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what Christianity is about. Okay? And, and we'll be, all of these people will be reflecting God's image forever. They'll be radiating His glory. I mean, I think it's beautiful when you read in the Old Testament about Moses, okay, which wasn't a white guy with blonde hair, okay? And you read about Moses, that the fact that he, when he would go and go to the tent of meeting or he'd go on the mountain, it would talk about, he would come back in his face what it would look like. It would be shining, this radiance that was a reflection. It would physically, there would be this something on his face that people would look at him and go, he's been with God. Like it would just so reflect, it was a physical a supernatural reflection of this, okay? Just amazing, okay? We're to reflect God's glory, and He made all of us to do that. Evolution says, and this is where I'm, say, I'm saying this because our thinking is what gets us messed up. If we don't repent of our ways and our thinking, then we end up doing stuff that is, does not reflect God, okay? Evolution says that we were all monkeys once, okay? Some just didn't get as far as others, Okay, that's, that's, that's what it teaches. Christians should never, ever buy into that. Never. Okay? There is no place for any discrimination of any kind in God's economy. Young, old, rich, poor, white, black, Hispanic, all bear the image of Creator God and are equal. Sorry. I haven't cried in a while. I guess it's time. Okay? But it just tears my heart up, okay? We are all equal in His eyes. And Jesus died for the person next to you just like He did you. We're, we're equal in His eyes. And Jesus died for us all so we could all be a mirror that just reflects His greatness. Regardless of who we are. So when someone says, you know, we should live in harmony together, regardless of race, why? You know, not because, well, because we all came from the same green slime and natural selection and atheistic evolution reign supreme. No. Okay? Because we are all made in the image and likeness of God. We are to respect all human life. In doing so, we honor our God who made them. And I've ran in too long. I need to move on. But there's a reason for this messed up reflection and why we get broken thinking and we mess this up. Okay? Have you noticed? As if you hadn't noticed that there's like a big hurricane that just hit the East Coast this weekend. Have you noticed that tragedy kind of strikes regularly? Right? When you look at the world, have you ever noticed that things just go terribly wrong? Okay? Frustration, despair, suffering, injustice. And, and not just at, at the world at large. You can just look around at the people around you or in your own life, right? And see all that stuff. It's interesting that Christians and non-Christians alike can't accept the world the way it is. That they can't accept it the way it is 
is the way that it should be because of sin. It's just the way it is. And I've talked about this before. So when you get a flat tire, why do we get all out bent out of shape? The world's messed up. You're going to get a flat tire. So don't like lose your head over it, okay? Just it's, it's a cursed world. Tires go flat. Kids don't do what they're supposed to, okay? You know, there's, something is wrong, okay? Not that we shouldn't try to fix things, okay? But we often go to that place of, why, why is this happening to me? What, what's wrong? This shouldn't happen, okay? Yeah, it should. It's a messed up world, okay? That's why you carry a spare tire, because you're expecting it to happen, okay? So, but we get into this deal of whose fault is it? Don't we? We like to do that. That's what Adam and Eve played when they got caught, right? Whose fault is it anyway? Is it the Democrats' fault? The Republicans? Is it the education system? Is it God? Is it us? You know? And that's where we pick up back in Genesis. Sin comes in. And I love this preacher, D.L. Moody. Uh, he was going to preach this place one time. Uh, he's a he, great man of God from days past. But uh, he... Uh, he was going to preach somewhere, and the guy said, Now, I just want to warn you before, uh, and this is going to hurt some people that are doing this right now, okay? But um, he, he said, uh, Now, I just want you to know that in our church, you're coming to preach here, Mr. Moody, that um, people have a tendency to get up and leave before the service is over, okay? And Moody just laughed a little bit, and so he gets up on Sunday morning, and he says, Okay, I'm gonna, I've got a message this morning, and it's, I'm going to address two different sets of people. And I'm going to sp- first speak to the sinners, and then I'm going to speak to the saints. Okay? And so he begins to speak. He addresses the sinners, and then he says, Okay, I've addressed the sinners, so at this point, if you're a sinner, you're free to go. And I'm going to talk to the saints. Okay? And for the first time... In the history of that church, all the members stayed to the end of the service, okay? So I hope you'll stay to the end of the service. Um, but it was just one of these, it's, it's just one of these things of who, whose fault, it's where we pick up in Genesis and we, where sin comes into the world. Um, and when you read Genesis chapter 3, without chapter 3, nothing in our world would make sense to us. But when you understand sin and its effect on the world, then you understand why our world's the way it is. It makes sense, okay? Um, Genesis 3, 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And, and we, we can get into this. I'll explain this a little bit more in a minute. Um, he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Okay, now talking about, you, you see it says the serpent. Who is that? Okay, that's Satan. The Bible ref, really clearly states this is Satan. Revela- you can write this down. Revelation 12, 9 and Revelation 22 tells us that the serpent of creation is Satan. Clearly states that. It just, it just says it. The serpent back in creation at the fall was Satan. Okay. The, the Bible, because we get into this stuff, I get asked a lot of questions. The Bible doesn't record the fall of Satan and the demons, which are created beings. doesn't record their fall from heaven. Satan was an angel and his demons were angels. And they uh, 
we're told that he was cast down because he had pride in his heart and he didn't want to worship God. And I'll, I'll tell you why. He, God made him so beautiful and awesome that he, he started thinking he was it. And his, everything that he had been given started making him, sin came into him and he started saying, I don't want to worship God. You know what? I should be worshiped. And so God cast him down. And in, in, uh, you read about that in Ezekiel. And Jesus tells us that a third of the angels went with him. They bought into his lie and went with him, and they became, that's where demons come from. Okay? Genesis 3 and the sin of man is also called the original sin, but really Satan and his angels, rebel. their rebellion preceded this. But this is what affects us and messed up the earth was the sin of Adam and the seed that's passed through man. Okay? So, just so you know, so he's already Satan, and that's already happened before this happens, okay? And, and there's this word for serpent that's used here. You guys know I'm not good with, the, with Hebrew stuff, but I learn it, but to actually speak it is different. But there's the word, now the serpent, there's this Hebrew word, nakash, okay? Which noun or adjective can give you two different things, or you can kind of understand the, the meaning together, which that word can mean serpent, but it, most people think it, it means the adjective because of the context and because of who they're referring to, that it's not really saying a serpent-like, but that word was used for the shining one. It literally means the shining one, okay? And if you read in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. It says, and no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Satan doesn't show up with the pitchfork and a little triangle on the end of his tail and horns and red with a little beard, okay? He, he doesn't show up like that and go, Rrr, okay? That, Satan doesn't do that. That would be obvious and we'd go, ah, I'm not buying it, okay? That'd be easy, okay? Uh, he, in this context, of when this totally changed my thinking, and this is just me studying this this week, because I've always pictured just a little snake going, hey, Eve, okay? And just like, that'd be weird for a snake to talk. Why did she buy into that anyway, if it's a snake, okay? I'm like, she was stupid, okay? They didn't create school yet or something. I don't know, but it's like, I'm just, but you literally, when you think about this, when you think serpent like this beautiful, you're talking about, the be- God refers to him as the beautiful one that has fallen, and now he has this serpent-like appearance because he's crafty and cunning like, you know, like we think of a snake. But he's referred to, it's, he's talking about here the shining one. So sitting before Eve is this beautiful, radiant being that is serpent-like but is, is not what we would think of. It, it was very impressive to her, I'm sure. It would be to any of us, okay? And that's how the devil will trick you, okay? The devil doesn't come to you and go, Here, this will kill you, take it, okay? Let, let me tell you, Satan is very crafty, okay? He is way, I don't care, I know you think I'm pretty smart and I got it going on, I can manage my life. And my, Satan is way, way, way smarter than you, smarter than me, smarter than all of us collectively. He's been around a really long time 
and seen a whole lot of stuff, and he knows exactly how to mess you up. And you can't beat him. You can't. Okay? Christ can, and that's why you want him in you. You can't. Okay? He's, he's smarter than you, okay? If, and here's another thing. If Satan doesn't hassle you, if Satan isn't messing with you, it's for a very real reason, but it's not a good one. Okay? I'll, let me relate it to you hunting, guys. When you go hunting, you don't shoot already dead stuff. You with me? You only shoot stuff that's alive, and Satan's a hunter. He walks the earth, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. And he doesn't like roadkill. He likes fresh, live meat. Okay? So if, you're already, if we're dead in our sins and trespasses, we're, we're dead because of sin, because of what's about to happen. And, and so Satan, people who are dead and doing nothing spiritually, not living for God, not reflecting His glory, He don't really care about you. He's put a target on these. He's hunting those who are reflecting God's glory because He wants them to reflect His glory, or He wants to at least take them out so they don't do anything for Him. So if you're, if you're not alive in Christ, He's not looking for you. You'll be, you're, and you're like, well, sounds good to me. No. In the end, you will be... So glad that you didn't take that route, okay? But it's, he's very smart. God is, is good, and, and he has said back here, let's get back to the creation story. He has said, you can eat from any tree except one. Wouldn't it be nice to go back to just one rule? I mean, Ten Commandments are basic humanity. I mean, we think it's like, golly, that's what a list of rules. It's just basic humanity. Is it too much to ask not to kill some, not to murder is it too much to ask not to cheat on your, with your neighbor's wife? Is it too much to ask not to steal from people or lie to people? It's basic humanity, okay? Back then, it was just one rule because sin hadn't entered yet. Don't eat that tree, okay? And, when, and so the, the, the Satan comes along and twists God's word, adds a word into his statement to her. Okay? And when you mess with God's Word, it tends to end in de devastation. It's why the Bible says not to add to or take away from the Word. Okay? So Satan tempts them to do just what he did, elevate themselves to become God. So Satan tempts them. People these days really do... Again, there's a lot of self-worship going on. Okay? It's all about me, my happiness, my pleasure, me, 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 my way, my belief system. I'll take a little of that Christianity stuff. That gets me to heaven. I'll take a little of this Buddhism stuff, a little of this yoga, a little bit of this, and a little bit of this, and a little bit of this. And that's, I think that's, that's the way you should do it, my way. It's all about me. Ultimately, I'm just worshiping myself. Okay? It's God's way or it's error. And you're adding to or taking away from the Bible, and you're just trying to be God of your own life. Okay, so you get into you go on to verse two through seven. The woman said to the serpent, "We may eat from the fruit, from fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and must not touch it, or you will die." Because he came back here and he just added one word, 
you must not eat from the tree in the garden, from any tree. He, he just throws in any tree. Like, he said you can't, you can't eat from any tree. And she says, we must not eat from this tree or you'll die. And he says, you'll not surely die. The serpent says that to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, that's the thing Satan likes to do. He puts in front of us just what trips us up that we think looks good. It's also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband. And there's a big point right here, okay? Because some of us think, you know, while Adam was away, Eve went astray. Okay? That's what we tend to think. Okay? But right here it says, she gave some to her husband who was with her. He's standing there. While this is going on, just kind of like, doo-doo, you know, like, beautiful guy, tree we're not supposed to eat from. What are you doing? You know, it's just like, what's, it, what's, it, what's his deal? Okay? Sometimes in our lives, as in this case, what you need to do when faced with lies and tricks of Satan, you just need to look away and turn and look at God and, and just walk away. Just walk away. Okay? Maybe rebuke and then walk away. But the best thing to do ultimately is walk away. You're not going to stand there and argue with Satan and come out good on the other side. Okay? How many of you are in the process of getting sucked into conversations, activities where there's lying, gossip, divisiveness, evil, or immorality simply because you don't have the courage not to respond and just walk away? We do it all the time. Okay? We do it all the time. You don't want to be rude. Well, I'm a Christian, so I have to be nice. We stand there, <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, you know, don't want to be rude. But there's times when it goes there, you know what the best thing to do is? Walk away, okay? You don't have to be nice to people who are in league with Satan. I give you permission, okay? Yes, we want to reach people, all that stuff. I'm not saying... Like, just be, like, super Christian, mean to everybody. That's not what I'm saying, okay? But you don't have to get sucked into that. It's okay not to participate. You know, what are you feeding your mind that you shouldn't be involved in? Gets to another level. And when we sin, we sin when we think God is holding out on us, and it's up to us to get that thing that we think is really good, because he's holding, that, he's holding out on that with... If he loves me, why would he hold out on that? So he, maybe he doesn't really love me. Why don't I have a boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband, a good job, blah, blah. God's holding something out on me, so I'm going to go get it myself. Right? But that's a lie. It's better, you know, the lie is, is that it's better to trust yourself and not God. Okay? Adam was with her. I want to talk to the men for just a second. Okay? And I'm really going to be hard on you guys because it's something I see in culture. When we go to South America, you really see this in culture, and, it, and it just, it's really aggravating. Okay? 
in, in knowing what the man in the house should be, okay? Adam was with her, and the worst thing that a man can do is nothing. Nothing. Some men go so far as to abuse their responsibility they've been given, their head of the household deal. Some people do abuse that and they take it too far, and that's not right either. Some ignore it like it doesn't exist, that they don't have that responsibility. Some abandon it. Men, don't avoid your responsibility to raise your children, to, to lead your home, and then sit back, because you see it, and then sit back and go, well, I'm a pretty good guy. I don't, I don't, even if it's I don't go have affairs, I don't do this, I don't do drugs, I don't, you know, I make a good living. I'm a good guy. Love your family, defend your family, rebuke Satan, and lead your family to God. That's your responsibility. Don't just, do, don't just stand there and do nothing like Adam did, okay? Don't be a silent, passive coward. Be, be an image bearer to your family and lead them into being image bearers. And it's a, I, I'd go further, but I think it's as far as I need to go as to say men... You need to step up, okay? You need to lead our homes. Just to say, well, I'm a pretty good guy and you don't do anything, at least try. If the Spirit of God is in you, when you try, you're going to come out good on the other side, I promise you. And you may trip up some and you may think, well, I'm not praying right or I'm not, you know, it's uncomfortable. Or, try. Watch the blessing that comes out of that. God's going to reward you if you try. The motive of your heart's important, not the performance per se. Because He knows you're not perfect, okay? And I, I can go the other way and say a big reason why a lot of men are not real, you know, men, women say, well, I, I just lo love to have a real man. You're probably the reason you don't have one because you treat him like a kid, Okay? If you want a real man, stop treating him like a kid. Okay? Man, I'm really getting off track here, but I'm just... Families get so messed up, and eat, they point at each other. This is what these Adam and Eve get ready to do. And we point at each other, and it's like, men, just step up. Be a great man of God, and your wife will be glad to... Be the kind of man that she would be an idiot to leave. And when you defend her, and you stand up for her, and you intervene when things aren't right, she's going to feel so loved, and that's your job. And women, don't treat him like a kid and manipulate and all that stuff and, and think, well, I can just do whatever because he's ultimately responsible. Okay? It's really his fault, all this. So I just do what, I just spend like I want to and do what I want to and it'll be okay because ultimately it's him. Right? Stop treating him like a kid and, and, and be the kind of woman that he wants. Respect him to where he wants to be the man that leads you and loves you that you'll be glad to be in partnership leading your family with, okay? I got to get off of that one. But be an image bearer, okay? 
Um, then you get into verse 8. Then um, the man sat and his wife heard the s- sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees uh, of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Okay? So they hid as though God can't see behind a tree. Okay, I don't get that part. But hiding is just an admission of guilt. Okay? If you have nothing to hide, why hide? Okay? It's why, it's why some people disappear from church. Okay? They're hiding. It's like, where, where, where Billy Bob went? Huh? Saw him, you know, coming out of such such the other day or doing this. Oh, okay. That's probably why I didn't hear. Being around Christians, being in church, he's hiding. He's, he's not where he needs to be, and he's hiding. And, and I would just say to that, just come anyway. You're really not hiding from anybody. Okay? You're just doing yourself more harm by not being with people who will love you unconditionally, accept you, love you, and try to help you towards God. Okay? But we're all like that. We hide our shame, instinctive response to guilt. They were self-conscious now because of their sin, which, okay, before they were selfless, didn't care about themselves, no pride. So they, at this point, they even cover themselves because they come, become self-conscious, okay? The eyes of, see, the eyes of both of them, they made covering themselves. The man and his wife heard, and here comes God, they hide, and then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? As the, well, he didn't know, okay? He calls for the man, what? he calls for the man, Okay, he says, he answered, Lord God called to the man, verse 9. Okay, he calls to the man because he is responsible as the head of the family. Okay, he was the first problem, she was the second problem. And, And it's interesting that when they get into these answers, all of a sudden everything that was referred to as they and them and we... Now becomes, well, I, and she says, well, I, and all of a sudden it's a division, okay? The relationships have been broken, okay? They're not in unity like they should be, okay? Separated all the relationships. They died spiritually and were separated from God. Sin never delivers on what it promises, okay? It always leaves you lower than where you started, okay? So he goes on, he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, The woman, her fault. Okay? And he goes so far, there's a huge inference right here. Okay? He'll go so far as say, The woman that you put here, I'm just an innocent victim. I, I should get some kind of extra credit and be given a parking pass closer to the pearly gates because I, I'm a victim. I've been wronged. I was tricked and deceived, and it's this woman that you put here. You guys did this to me, okay? So the finger pointing starts already, which is what we do, right? God made me that way, right? That's what we start saying. Well, it's God, God made, he, he made evil, evidently, so it's his fault. We, can, we break it down right down, it's God's fault, okay? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. 
First meal she ever cooked for me, and I just thought I'd eat it. Okay? Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? Okay, so he goes to him, then he goes to her. What's she say? The serpent. He deceived me. It's his fault. And I ate. It's not my fault he tricked me. So the Lord God said to the serpent, so he's deal, he deals with the man, he deals with the woman, and then he deals with the serpent, because all of them are wrong, okay? And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Right here in Genesis, we have the first Jesus is coming gospel presentation, Okay? Here's, here's, there's a Redeemer coming. There's one day you're, Satan's going to be crushed. He's going to defeat death. And what has happened by sin will be overturned is what this verse is all about. Okay? You will crawl on your belly and you eat this. He's going to roam the earth like a roaring lion seeing whom he can devour. He's saying you're, all days of your life, you're just, just going to be your lot in life, Satan. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers or her seed, and between your seed and hers, as it says, but angels and stuff don't reproduce, okay? And he will crush your head, or strike your head, and you will strike his heel. And that he will crush your head is a promise redeemer that's coming, is what it's referring to. If you go to like Romans 16, 20, Galatians 2, 16, Hebrews 2, 14 through 15, Revelation 12, 17, all these verses refer back to that and say it's, it was, it's what it's talking about is, is Jesus is coming and is going to de- de- overturn what Satan has done. Okay? And Jesus will defeat Satan. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. Okay? Congratulations, all you pregnant women that we have in here. Okay? With pain, you will give birth to children. You know, what that, you know what I think that is? I think it's a reflection of how now that we have this sin in us, we're such a great pain to God. So he's going to make our children a great pain to us, okay? I think there's a correlation there, okay? We're a pain to him in our sin, and so he's just saying, I want you to get a picture of this. You know what you deal with your children? This is what I have to deal with you, Okay? You des- and then it goes on, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Okay? And it changes the relationship with man and woman to where she now resists him being head of the household. She resists his proper place. And your desire, you'll desire for him, but you're going to be frustrated with, with his position. Okay? To Adam he said, because you listen to your wife, and he's not saying men don't listen to your wives. Okay? But he's saying, because you did this and ate from the tree, which I commanded you not to, you, you must not eat of it, okay? Curses the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of, it all day, all, eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, he formed him from the ground. For dust you are, and dust you will return. In other words, now you'll physically die. You're not just spiritually dead, but you'll physically die because now the earth is cursed, the systems are messed up, and, and you're, you're going to die. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. Okay? And it's interesting if you read on down how God then makes garments for them out of animal skins, which is also symbolic of the fact that 
there would be a sacrifice, blood would be shed in order to, and that God would do it for man and other, and, and in order to cover his sin. I mean, it's a beautiful picture right from the beginning. All this is just, there's this thread throughout the Bible of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus coming. It's about God and his glory, and he's awesome, and we, we are his prized possession, his prized creation, and he wants to redeem us, so he's sinning Jesus, and the New Testament is all about the fact that he did that, and now how are we to live, okay? So, the earth is cursed, your job is cursed, everything is now cursed and difficult. You, you are as difficult to God as your dominion that he has put you over to manage now is to you. It should bring humility to your life. They get banished from the garden, the perfect place, as we, we can't be there because of sin. And that was the created world. We're now in the cursed world, but we're going to turn around. Um, but the turnaround is that by kicking them out, it, it was the best thing he could do for them. By kicking them out, they could no longer live forever in sin. And yes, they're going to die, but they're given the opportunity to be redeemed in their relationship with God. He did them a favor by kicking them out, okay? And, and so the coming world will be right again, and he kicks them out so they have opportunity to be back there with him. No more curse for those who trust in Christ. But we are all now living in a cursed world due to sin, you're dead spiritually without Christ because the seed of sin has passed through Adam to all of us and makes us born in sin. All of us. We all sin. Sins of omission, not doing what you're supposed to do. Sins of commission, doing things you shouldn't do. Okay? Romans 3.23, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of His mark, His standard of Christ. A deadly virus has infected humanity and it's deadlier than HIV, S-I-N, everyone has it. And Romans 5, 12 through 14 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned, to be sure sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Okay? Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Okay? Sins entered the world. We all have it. You're born with it. You're born condemned. Nothing you can do about it. That's why Christ had to do something for you. But... It, Sin's delivered, but it talks about, it makes this reference from that Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. It talks about a future Adam, which is Christ coming as the last Adam. Most of us probably think, though, I'm a good person. But that doesn't matter when you're born with depravity, with sin. Depraved doesn't mean you're living as bad as you could be. That's what you think. It means you're as bad off as you could be. Your state of being is as bad as it can get. It's not about your evaluation of yourself, but about God's evaluation of you. Sin is why our world's messed up, and we, we have got, we have gotten no better since the days of Adam. Okay? You can go over here at Lake Cherokee in early morning, right before, when sun's coming up, maybe before, and... Sun comes up, 
you know, no breeze or anything going on, what's the water like? It's really calm first thing in the morning. And if you stand there and look, you can see the reflections of the mountains. You can see the reflections of the trees and the water. And it's this just beautiful picture. But you can take one stone and just throw it, and skip it across that water. And the ripples mess up that calm reflection. And Adam was that one stone that was thrown that messed up the, whole, the image. And it's a skipped to us. And we have it. Romans 3, 9-12. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. And this is great because this gives the gospel to everybody, not just the Jews, people of Israel, okay? There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. You need a relationship with God, with other people. It is not good to be alone. And I'm not talking about husband and wife necessarily. You need to be around people, children of God, which we're not all children of God, just so that you know that. Everybody kind of goes, we're all, you hear that on the news sometimes, we're all just children of God. No, we're not. Unless you are born again into the family of God and have become a Christian, you're not a child of God. You're created by God, but you're not a child of God until you, you are a Christian, okay? The, the way the world is, is not how it's made to be. How we are is not how we should be. So I have to go to this today. I can't just preach this message and not do this, even though we will talk about salvation next week. Without Jesus, you would be forever condemned and spend eternity in hell because you're spiritually dead because of sin. But because of Jesus, we're given another chance by God. We don't deserve it, but He gives it to us anyway because we're His prized creation and He so wants us to be with Him. doesn't need us, but wants us. So Romans, 8, or Romans 5, 18 through 20, 21 says, there's, you can read the whole first like 8 to 10, maybe 12 chapters of Romans, and, and it's just an incredible deal about all this, okay, and the beauty of the gospel. Romans 5, 18 21, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, Adam, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience the one man of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, talking about Jesus, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You are condemned by one man's deed, but you are saved by Jesus Christ, another man's deed, His righteous act. To become spiritually alive and return to your relationship to God is the way it should be. You must turn from living like the first Adam. I want to be God. I want to rule my life. 
I'm going to make my own decisions and turn to, the, to Jesus, who is the last Adam, and say, I, 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 I'm His. I want to live His way. I want Him to rule over my life. And He becomes God, as He rightly is, and you begin to reflect His image. Right where you sit, you can give your life to Christ today and receive forgiveness of your sin and be redeemed. And heads bowed and eyes closed. And I'm going to ask the band to come on up here and get ready. But with heads bowed,